Welcome to Foliages for Lovers. I'm Erin Fraser. And I'm Matt Bose. We can't put it off any longer. It's time for our 2023 mid-year review, in which we discuss the biggest Hindi language releases of the first half of the year. The biggest. <laughs> Did we find love with DJ Mohabbat? Are we ready to take on the entire country of Norway? <laughs> Is Sarah Ali Khan gaslighting us? All this and more as we discuss the year in Bollywood so far. Before we begin, we would like to respectfully acknowledge that we record this podcast on Treaty 6 territory, home to First Nations and Métis people. Okay, Matt, uh, we've alluded in past episodes uh, that that this year's mid-year review uh, is looking pretty pretty dire. This and, is extremely mediocre filmmaking. <laughs> and here we are. Uh, this feels worse than 2020. Like how the, is this? The pickings worth... feel these. This feels like the slimmest pickings since we started this podcast. Yeah. How is it that like the first year of the pandemic, you're gonna have your things built maybe four, right? So that yeah. makes kind of sense. Yeah. And then they delayed some of them, but like 2021 seemed real bad. Yeah. How is this worse than 2021 and 2022 though? Because that was like the pandemic production years. Yeah. Like, that should have been worse, but you get, like, a Sardar Udam out of it, that kind of thing. There are no Sardar Udams to be found in this year. Yeah, I'm I'm not too sure. And, you know, I am I am hopeful about the the next six months. Jawan looks good, um, and we're going to go see that new Karen Johar literally tomorrow, so yeah. it's not in this episode, <laughs> but rest assured, it looks really good. Yeah, by the, by the time you're listening to this, we will have seen... Rocky or Ronnie Key Prem Kahani. Uh, but typically the mid-year review covers the first six months of the year. So films that were released between January to June. We cheated now, on one because the people demanded it. Yeah, we, well, you put it up to a vote on Twitter and didn't explain that, yes, we would still be discussing it, but whether or not we'd be discussing it in the mid-year review or later on was... The question, however, because no one's going to be talking about it in six months. That's so, fair. Yeah. However, um, there has been so little to talk about um, that. Yeah, we bent the rules and we're discussing one July release because it was actually like three, notable. Three weeks into July, it's not like even the last day of July. Yeah. Um, so we do this every year, except for one year we skipped for personal reasons. Um, though we did still do a year-end episode that ended up, you know... That was one of the harder ones being to pull off. insane because we'd skip the mid-year. Um, but every six months, we just we check in. Um, or every six-month-ish. It usually takes us about a month to get, like, to catch up on the watching and get the episode together. Uh, we're a little late this year, I think, just because we've been, we've been dreading this. Um, it's just, yeah. Uh, anyways... So if you're also, not... we couldn't watch a big chunk of them, as you're going to explain now. Yeah, I'm rambling, but if you're not familiar, every six months we just kind of check in, and instead of doing a best of the year and worst of the year, uh, we just do kind of a roundup of the notable releases. Uh, these episodes do tend to be long. We've tried to tighten them up, uh, and we aim to discuss kind of 10 to 12 films. We have 11 this time around. In the past, we used to do more for reasons that was largely related to my um, my career. But since I've made a career shift and I don't watch movies for a living, uh, these episodes have had to shift 
for us. Uh, so we'll be doing this again in January to in January 2024 to discuss the last six months of 2023. But now we have the first six months. And yeah, it's uh, as again, as we've alluded to already in this episode and alluded to in other episodes, this is just like it's a rough year and I don't really know why. I know people have been complaining for a long time that South Indian cinema has really been taking over and Bollywood's been falling by the wayside and there hasn't been too much of interest. But this is really the first year where I've felt a lack of interest in in what Bollywood's been putting out. Yeah. I haven't felt that in the past. I think... Even when we were watching things like Chahere. <laughs> well, we're getting kind of cast-offs from big directors. Yeah. We didn't watch that uh, Dobara one. Oh, like, this is an Anurag Kashyap movie that no one's really talking about because it's not that exciting to talk about. And this about. is, his, like, his first of two films this year. Yeah. Kennedy um, looks interesting. Yeah, I want to see that. His horror film, Kennedy, with Sunny Leone... Uh, premiered at cons in May. I don't know when it's going to be coming to screens. Yeah. Uh, when it's going to be released, but I'm far more excited about that than I am with Almost PR by DJ Mohabit. Um, Stream Ram Raghavan's Merry Christmas was supposed to be out last year. It looks like it's finally coming out cool in poster. December. Yeah. Um, so again, I am excited about some of the stuff that's 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 to come. But like the director but, of Bead, who was that? Anubhav Sinha. Yeah, Anubhav Sinha. Like, I would not say that this is the most exciting Anubhav Sinha project I've seen. Yeah. And The Wall, oh boy. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, Nitesh Tiwari, who has done some fantastic movies that we've mm-hmm. really enjoyed. But uh, that's a whole other thing. We're going to get into that later. But just like, I would say that this half of the year, we're not seeing any director in full form. And we're yeah. also not seeing movie stars putting in amazing work. Yeah, I mean there are there are some exceptions. There's some exceptions, but like yeah. these are kind of cast off movies for a lot of them. I would think uh, their fans are not going to think about it. Uh, there's a glaring exception to this, which we're going to talk about in a second. But like, yeah, a lot of these don't seem like big deal projects for the directors or the um, actors. A lot of these went straight to streaming too, so we're kind of coming out of that. Getting back into this, um, you know, be, uh, theatrical being the big thing with Patan and uh, Rocky Orani. So I think we're just kind of seeing the the pandemic hangover. Yeah, it's definitely some projects that are not that exciting. Definitely a pandemic hangover. I think also at the beginning of the year, everything everything cleared out to make way for one really big blockbuster. Yeah, and then. We've been waiting for the second really big blockbuster, which is Rocky Orani, Key Prem Kahani. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I, I mean, I don't want to imply that I think any of these directors approached any of these films as lesser work. Um, but I, I, I think, I think what I'm seeing here from some of these directors and some of these actors is I, I don't think it's necessarily among their highs. It just kind of it's a little mid. It's a little bit. Um, so some caveats. Um, Adi Parish, which is the second highest grossing Hindi film uh, 
as of when we're recording. Not a beloved film. No. Um, that was filmed simultaneously in Hindi and Telugu, but it was not made in the Bollywood film industry. It was made in the Telugu film industry. So it doesn't really count for us in terms of kind of what we put in this episode. Yeah. Um, we and we haven't seen it either. Well, exactly. We haven't seen it. And like, to be perfectly honest, I, I am not convinced I want to. The two um, non-Bollywood releases that I'm most interested in catching up with are PS2. We had some difficulty getting to see that in theaters. And since it's a bit been available on Amazon Prime. We've been busy uh, watching all of these other ones. We've been busy watching a lot of other stuff because it's like it's going to I need to refresh what happened in PS1 before I kind of sit down to watch it. So yeah, I think there's like, a lot of lore. Yeah. It's going to be a six hour day. Yeah, because we're clearing once we get this out of the way. I think we'll be able to kind of clear an afternoon. If people are interested in uh, hearing about PS1 or PS2, like way after the fact, let us know because yeah. uh, I think we Could do. Could be a supplemental. We do want to sit down and rewatch PS1. Yeah. Um, I'm also really interested in, um, oh shoot, in catching up with the new Shekhar Kapoor uh, that has like a super generic title. Right. Uh, what is it called again? <laughs> The new Lijo Joe's Palace story looks good too. Yeah, I'm so, also interested in that. We're like four behind on him, and he keeps putting out pretty good looking movies that we have not had the time to watch. Uh, what's love got to do with it, right? It's, <laughs> it's a song. Yeah. Uh, I, look, I haven't heard anything good about it, um, but I admit I am curious. Uh, and I think we'll also like quickly plug Polite Society. Yeah, that's um, a really good movie. British film. Uh, but, you know, South Asian content, probably one of my favorite things I've seen all year. Amazing soundtrack. We uh, yeah. bought one of the vinyls from the Bomboy Royale, one of the bands that features quite prominently on the soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you're looking for like things to watch, highly recommend Polite Society. Especially if you over, like the men. Over the majority yeah. of these films. Especially if you loved uh, Marco Dard Nahihota. Yeah. Uh, this yes. is sort of like a... Uh, teen girl equivalent. Yeah. 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 If you loved Mark Kodarna Hihota, yeah, that's that's a really that's a really good uh, comparison, I think. Um, yeah. I also even, even like the retro music and stuff, like it. Yeah. It, it's it's similar. Yeah. I also did see that new um, Priyanka Chopra Jonas film with Celine Dion. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> So, I'm really glad you didn't make me watch that because yeah. it looked miserable. So that's some of the kind of adjacent stuff. Um, we skipped the Kerala story, um, just as we skipped the Kashmir Files last year. Uh, we don't feel that there's anything in those films for us, based on what we've read about them. Yeah. Uh, and, and we'll leave it there. I just, I, I don't, I don't think we want to, I mean, we don't like watching bad movies. Um, but we, we do, do it. it for you anyway. Um, but you know, our understanding is is that those films are are propaganda, and I I just don't think we want to engage with them. Mm-hmm. Um, we and a couple other that we skipped just because they looked really really bad, and you know what? It's it it's our podcast, so we made some choices. Kissy goodbye, Kissy Ki John, and selfie the latest just from Salman Khan and Akshay Kumar. We've watched uh, enough Akshay Kumar films for a while, I think. Yeah, it just like honestly, they they it doesn't even look like there's much to talk about here. We didn't so, we didn't watch his Indiana Jones looking one either, but that might have been last year. It was, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'd really like to see Zara Hatke, Zara Bachke, Bloody Daddy, and Catchy Limbu, 
but unfortunately, those are all either on GeoCinema or in the case of Zarya Hadke, Zarya Bachke, um, is going to GeoCinema, uh, which is not available to us here in Canada. Now, Bloody Daddy and Kaji Limbu didn't even come out in theaters here. Zarya Hadke, Zarya Bachke did, but it was very much a blink and you miss it release. Uh, yeah. That's been more of a sleeper hit. I would really like to see it. I've liked other Laxman Utakar films. I like the cast at Sarah Ali Khan and Vicky Koshal. I hear really good things about it, but it's it's going to Geo Cinema, so I'm I'm not entirely sure if it will be possible. Still haven't seen Betty, still yeah. haven't seen Vikram Veda. Uh, Kaji Lumbu was one of the films I was most looking forward to seeing this year. It played at TIFF last year and yeah, it went straight to Geocinema, so the rest of us around the world, I guess, are just being left out. Um, that's similar yeah. to Zbigato, played at the new Nandita Das, played at TIFF last year. One of the films I was most looking forward to seeing this year, uh, it's on Sony Live. So we don't have Sony Live. I don't know if we can get it. I don't know either. And also... I would I would want to get it for more than just this one film. If I'd you're wondering, really like how come it. you don't have TIFF accreditation? Toronto's very far away, and I will not go there because I hate it. Okay. So uh, that's why we're not seeing these things at TIFF. But yeah. I Friend feel of like the show, Shaw, 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 Shaw is yeah. going for, yeah. Uh, and yeah, follow Shaw. See what he thinks of these things. Yeah. Uh, lastly, Satya Prem Ki Katha. Uh, I'm curious if it, that's worth catching up with. I've seen some mixed things. I've seen mm -hmm. some positive. I see some negative. It's going to be on Amazon Prime in August. Uh, we didn't manage to get to it in theaters, so... We did watch the if, other Ariane. Yeah, the other <laughs> Kartik Ariane. Kartik um, picture. But just, yeah, like, let us know if that one's worth watching, and let us know if any of the other films that we skipped over uh, are worth watching. Was there a gem that we really overlooked? Um, well, they don't know we, what we've watched yet. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, so these 11 films um, that we've watched, we prioritized the stuff that we think we would enjoy looks interesting and that we thought there might be something to talk about because it's no it's really no fun to to podcast and just constantly say stuff is boring or say that you hate stuff or like yeah you know so we we were trying to find the gems as always mm -hmm. <laughs> all right so that out of the way matt uh what's our first film biggest film of the year so far <laughs> Well, this is easy. Uh, Patan, which yeah. we did a whole episode on. So check that out. We talked with uh, Maple Brownie. Uh, we really, really like that film. Yeah. Uh, it's the best of the year so far. Again, yeah. we haven't seen the new Karen Joe. Yeah. But loved it. Yeah. Siddhartha Nan, the director, is uh, clearly one of the best action filmmakers working anywhere in the world. Um, the development of the... Yash Raj spy universe. I am totally here for it. Doesn't hit the highs of war, yeah. um, but I think the the combination of of Deepika Padukone, John Abraham, and especially Shahrukh Khan back on the big screen in a starring role is, yeah. I mean, what is not to love? As you we're said, also pretty hyped for Jawan too. That yeah, the new trailer like the first one was kind of confusing, but the new one is just like ah, he's bald now. Yeah, and. He has an all-girl hit squad. This looks amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, 2023 really started out with a bang, um, and it's it's been, it's been 
Well, it's been not great since. So our next film, uh, now that that's out of the way, because again, we did all movie, yeah. we did a whole episode. I don't think there's anything else. I see that like Amazon Prime has like an extended version of it. I don't really know what's been added, but yeah. that was that what, was such a good time in the theater. What a picture! What a picture! Next, we have Almost PR with DJ Mohabit. This came out in early February. It is the latest from Anurag Kashyap, and it stars Karen Mehta and Alia Furnitrawala. Yeah. Who we, we quite liked in Joanna Johnnymon. Yeah, Alia F, as she goes by now. Yeah. Oh, and Vicky Koshal has, uh, like, a pretty big cameo in it. Do you want to tell us the plot, Matt? Oh, great. <laughs> okay, so this is a sort of... Not quite a sliding door scenario, but it's like mm-hmm. two separate couples who do exist in the same universe, but are played by the same people. Yeah. So in the one world, you have uh, Jakob Siddiqui and Amrita Suri, uh, played by Karen Mehta, who's kind of a new guy in the scene, and then Alia Frenchwala. <clears throat> and they live in... Oh, I don't remember. It was kind of mountainous and cold, so I'm going to go with my old standby of Shimla, but definitely in the northern regions. And he's a Muslim guy, and she is a Hindi girl. They have a bit of a Romeo and Juliet thing, but essentially the whole town has been telling him, like, stay away from her. But he's... um, I would say this is inherent in the text. He's kind of a dumb guy. Yeah. And he keeps going back and getting in trouble. And one day they decide to run away with each other because they want to go see a DJ Mohaba concert. Um, somewhat, That's Vicky Koshal. Who's but, Vicky Koshal, yeah. who is kind of like a gnomic truth teller. Uh, if this was made 10 years ago, he'd like have a pirate radio station. But mm-hmm. now we're to assume it's through podcasts. I guess. Which people listen to at the same time. I don't know. Uh, It's kind of a weird conceit. Anyway, they go on the run together and kind of break into a guest home in... uh, What do they call it? Dalhousie? No. Um, But, like, in kind of a um, mountainy tourist area. They take over, like, a house. Mm -hmm. And then in the other world, slash part of the world, in London, uh, Karameta plays Harmeet Singh and Alea plays Aisha. Uh, Harmeet is a kind of shy, reclusive DJ and Alaya is, oh, and Aisha is like a rich party girl mm-hmm. who is very importantly underage. Yeah. Um, and he's not really that interested in her, uh, but she is kind of infuriated by this fact and uh, pursues him aggressively. Uh, even kind of breaks into his house and rearranges all his furniture, buys him a bunch of new stuff and can't really pick, figure out like, why is he not interested? Yeah. Uh, this relationship, both of these relationships go extremely badly. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's a spoiler to say, like, the survivors of these relationships, the sort of mm-hmm. the wreckage left over kind of mean afterwards. They're also big DJ Mohammed fans, or at least Harmeet Singh is, like, really excited to meet him and show him his mixtape. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of all based around Vicky Koshal and then these two different worlds. I don't think it really came together. I found Vicky Koshal's character extremely annoying uh, because he just kind of has these pronouncements about love and it felt very much like we got Koshal for two days. Let's just get him to spout off all Mm -hmm. of these podcasts and then do these scenes where he meets the people and then pretend to be a DJ for a little bit and then have these two concurrent uh, stories. 
And I didn't find that they really amounted to anything. Um, Karen Mehta's hair was ridiculous. I almost thought this should be called Almost Hair with DJ Muhammad, but I think that's his real hair. Really? I thought it, I assumed it was a wig. It's It it's, really is. It's got a very, like, blocky look to it. It's a really strange look. That's especially uh, as Jakob Siddiqui. He's got this... He's kind of like a bob, I guess. Yeah. I kept waiting for kind of these two... I kept thinking one was a flashback. I don't know why, but I, it took me a really long time to figure out, like, oh, these are two different sets of characters. Yeah. I And so I think, like, it was kind of confusing what was going on. It took it took. Well, you really... thought that there would be a trick or something. Like, yeah. you thought that they would link together in an interesting way. Exactly. But in fact, they didn't. So I kept waiting for them to link up in an interesting way. And it, it, it sort of does at one point when there's, like, a... There's a the elderly couple that um, that they when they're in the story that takes place in India, the elderly couple that they're camping out in their kind of vacation ha- home. vacation yeah. home or whatever it is, um, that sort of links up. Yeah. Um, but and like, it explains a little bit of the backstory for yeah Harmeet. Yeah, but it just this I, I this, this feels a bit more like. An experiment that Kashyap hadn't quite worked out yet. I almost think like he and... wanted to do the India story and kind of just worked up the London story because it seems really half baked. Yeah, and it's... then it gets really violent. It's yeah, yeah. Um, I I didn't think Karen Mehta and Alia Furnitrawala had much chemistry in either storyline. <laughs> um, I still like. Alia Furniture Well and would like to see her in, or sorry, Alia F, and would still like to see her in more. I was talking um, to someone online if they ever do the uh, threatened uh, Hindi version of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, she'd be great for Jolene, the are, sixth edition of JoJo. Are they threatening to do that? Oh, it's happening. Okay. I'm going to manifest um, this into the world. She would be great as Jolene. I, I don't have any opinion on Karen Mehta. Um, he was fine. He, again, he gives the, good goofball the, the energy. Hair, the hair was a lot. Um, I really like that they make a, f- a fake TikTok. <laughs> Ting-tong. <laughs> Ting-tong. Um, in the Indian storyline, um, they're always going on Ting-tong. See, I don't know if this is um, racist or not. Because, like, Alia Furnitrawala has, like, a very stereotypical... She puts on, like, a burqa. Yeah, she has, like, a burqa, but she does, like, a kind of lispy, yeah. um, like, Muslim girl voice. And I know I've seen this sort of depiction in other movies, but I don't know if I'm supposed to be taking it as, like, offensive or not. Yeah, I I mean, I didn't take it as offensive. I don't know. I mean, I like how she, like, how she refers to, like, the people as Tingtongians. Yeah, there's been I, a few, there's a few movies in this that have, like, their own made-up versions of TikTok and Twitter yeah. and, um... I just, yeah. honestly, I, I don't, I don't know if I really knew what to do with this movie. Yeah, it's, I didn't see the point of it, and that's not what you want. Yeah, I mean, I I did think it was interesting. It's well shot, it's well edited. It's but well, like, yeah, it's well shot and it's well edited, but it's, it's confusing. I'm not entirely sure what I'm supposed to take away. Like, both yeah. of these romances, I think, are... You don't... You really don't want to root for either of these couples. No, they don't give you um, anything to root for. Yeah, and then, like... So I guess maybe you're rooting for the connection they make at the 
end? Well, all these platitudes of, like, love is the greatest force on earth and love, etc. Yeah. Like, it just gets exhausting to listen to Vicky Koshal. Yeah, it just, it, it felt half-baked. Yeah. Yeah, it just, like, it felt half-baked. The, okay. What, would you say that the, the two halves don't equal a whole? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So moving on, we have Shazada, which came out in mid-February. Uh, from what I recall, they moved this. It was initially going to come out earlier, and they moved this because uh, Patan was crushing it. The Probably a wise decision. Uh, this is directed by Rohit Dewan. Um, it's a big, broad comedy. It's a remake of a Telugu film. I'm going to give this a shot. Ala Vaikantha Puramulu. Yeah, I, no idea <laughs> if that's it. correct. Probably not. It stars Kartik Aryan and Kriti Sanan, as well as Paresh Bawal and Manisha Korala. Uh, this is like a very classic hijinks plot. You could have made this movie in 1985. Yeah, the film opens 25 years ago, and two babies are born. One is born to a very rich family, to Ronit Roy and Manisha Kerala, and another is born to Paresh Rawal and his wife. Now, <laughs> Who I don't uh, think has a name and is dead in the next scene. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, the nurse thinks that Ronit Roy and Manisha Kerala's child has passed away. He's not breathing. He's not breathing. And yeah, they've both had sons. And Paresh Rawal uh, says, let's swap the babies. Mm -hmm. You know, Ronit Roy has done so much for me. I am going to give back to him by giving him my healthy child and I will be the one who has lost a child. And it's well, also it's also like my my child will live yes, a very happy life. A very happy very life. rich. Well, as soon as they swap the babies, it turns out that Ronit Roy and Manisha Kerala's son has not has not passed away. He was fine. Um, the baby was just holding its breath. <laughs> He's fine. But Paresh Baral refuses to switch the, the children back because you know, he, this isn't, he's getting revenge on Manisha Kerala for choosing Ronit Roy over him. He works for them. Too. Yeah, he works for them. And he is ensuring that his son will grow up in the lap of luxury. And Ronit Roy and Manisha Kerala's son will grow up, uh, you know, poor. Poor. And he pushes the nurse off the balcony. He doesn't push her. She just kind of gets surprised. Well, and, and he, like, Twists his leg so he's limping around the rest of the movie. He's, yeah, he's responsible for her falling off a balcony and ending up in a coma for 25 years. So it's one of these classic switched at birth films. Like an MR Akbar Anthony or. Exactly. All kinds of movies where like brothers circus. get set. Yeah. This is a better version of Circus, which doesn't say much. Yeah. So we fast forward 25 years and Kartik Aryan is being raised by Paresh Rawal, but he's really Ronit Roy and Manisha Kerala's son. He does that, does not know that. He's and, cool, smart and brave yeah. and handsome. Paresh Rawal is the only one who knows about the switcheroo. Yeah. And so obviously I think people can tell where the film goes. It becomes about Kartik Aryan uh, proving himself to be like clearly a better human being than uh, Ronit Roy, than the, than the, the, the son 
that Ronit Roy and Manisha Kerala assume they have eventually find... Who is, who is described <laughs> as being an avocado, which is a very funny way of mentioning this kind of guy. He's He plays video games all the time. He's just a weird nerd. He's very vegan. Yeah. Um, yeah, but Kartikarian actually, like, he is, you know, a, he's he's smart, he's hardworking, he has morals, he, you know protects women. He's, he's like Oliver all, Twist, you know, like yeah, he, he is or all, David Copperfield, these orphans who have terrible lives and turn out to be great people. He has all the qualities that you would expect. And even when he finds out the truth, he doesn't use it to his advantage. Uh, uh, well, he doesn't. He, he well, gets back at his foster father. He gets back at Parash Rawal, yeah. who's made his life miserable, yeah. but he doesn't go... Oh, now I'm entitled. Let's to, do a DNA test. Yeah, now, exactly. He doesn't go. Let's do a DNA test, and now I'm entitled yeah. to, uh, you know, be the next CEO of Jindal Industries. Yeah, and I think I think it's important because he, you, if he shows to be greedy, yeah. as soon as that he we finds don't like out, yeah. you know, then then you don't like him. He needs to be maintained as a hero. He could still Could've be a little stinker, though. Yeah, we like that. Crazy Sannon is his love interest. She's a lawyer who falls in love with him because, again, like she's he's, a lawyer. This is mentioned once and he's, never brought up ever again. <laughs> he's the best guy ever, though she is engaged uh, to the avocado. To the, to the avocado. Yeah. Um, and high drinks ensue. High. This is a high drinks ensue movie. Yeah. Full of you know like gags, action set pieces, and and some romantic songs. And honestly. Is it good? Yeah. No. No, it's fine. But it was serviceable. Like I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. I had an enjoyable time. I'll never watch it again. People get. But mad I enjoyed at, it. People get mad at Brad Bird for his movies about like basically being objectivism and just some people are inherently better than others. Mm -hmm. This one literally is like genetically Kartik Aryan is handsome, <laughs> brave, and strong because of his parents, and the avocado sucks. <laughs> like. And uh, his grandpa can kind of, like, notice what's going on. And it's like... So, like, he's just genetically better is what we're getting at. <laughs> yeah. And I don't love that aspect of it. Mm -hmm. That that feels a little wrong. Yeah. But the gags were fine. It was enjoyable enough. Uh, I will the, never think about it again. It's one of the better performances I've seen from Kartik Aryan. I liked him in Luca Chupi, which is just fading off into the distance. It's like... Yeah. A film that I thought was kind of fun, but, like... I haven't seen anything since. Yeah. I think Luke, Luke Kachupi is still better because he's... I like him better when he's kind of scrambling, like in that one, mm -hmm. instead of just being a cool guy that everyone likes. Yeah. Uh, Kriti Sanan, wonderful, as always. She does not get enough to do. Um, she but disappears for a solid hour. Yeah, she disappears for quite, quite large chunks of this film. Um, but when she's on screen, um, she's the only thing that you want to look at because she is so incredibly magnetic. I When she's not on screen, you're like, where's Kriti Sana? What's she up to? And again, she's not on screen for, for a large chunks. Of I really enjoyed the action scenes in this film. They're very silly. Um, they're very silly. It's like Kartagarian has like these insane superhuman powers where like people go flying, deeply unrealistic. Like a cartoon. Um, yeah, but I, I I thought they had a sense of fun. This film had a sense of fun. Was it good? No. Yeah, it was having a good time, though. <laughs> but it was having a I good time. It kind of got onto its wavelength. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, Matt. Tell us about two Juti main Makar. 
damn it. <laughs> uh, I'm keeping this in, by the way. Uh, so where if Shazada was like having fun, this was just being bored. <laughs> yeah. Like almost a nothing film. Yeah. Let's see how much of that this I remember. Came uh, out in early March. This came out early March. I remember there was a little bit of heat behind it. Uh, it's got. Well, this is the most I've ever seen people care about a love Ranjan film, and I think because it's, there's nothing else on. Yeah, and I think it's just because it's Ranbir Kapoor. It's Ranbir Kapoor and Shraddha Kapoor. Yeah. Uh, Dimple Kapadi is in it. Uh, okay, so this uh, this is really going to be. I completely forgot Dimple Kapadi was in. This is going to be tricky, but. Um, Rabir Kapoor's character is a rich sort of layabout who he has a quote-unquote business where he convinces people who you're getting married to but you don't want to that they should dump you by using psychological manipulation. Mm -hmm. uh, he has a buddy who wants him to do this and uh, that doesn't happen for some reason. Uh, so that buddy gets married and also has a kid, but that's not really that important. Mm -hmm. um, while at their wedding, um, Ranbir meets Shraddha Kapoor, uh, who does a cool dance, and he's it's not into their wedding; it. it's their bachelor party. Oh yeah, it, yeah. It's weirdly like a bachelor party where the fiance wife is coming with them, and there's also only two men at the yeah. party. It's it's weird. I can't say I've been to a lot of bachelor parties, but. Going You've to, certainly never been to one in Spain. I don't think it was Mauritius. No, Shazada was Mauritius. Maybe this one is too. Uh, they also shoot in Mauritius in um, in this one, but yeah. I'm pretty sure they go to Spain. For it, the... It's less of a bachelor party and more of just kind of an extended vacation. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, Shraddha Kapoor and Ranbir Kapoor hook up. And yeah, he, he like totally abandons the bachelor party aspect of this trip. Yeah, they just go off together. And essentially... Um, he's actually quite cruel for almost the entire movie because he doesn't believe that Shraddha Kapoor would actually like him and his service, which uses like a voice changer, mm -hmm. uh, she eventually uses this to try and break up with him. And this is kind of interesting because his family is too like gregarious yeah. and there's too many of them, Yeah, which is not the worst idea for a movie I've ever seen. Well, that, cause this is something you can relate to. Yes. You have a very big family. <laughs> And, like, I do hang out with them. I'm going camping with them. But, like, it could be a lot to take in when you have one brother. And to be clear, I'm not going yeah, camping. Yeah, Aaron is not going camping. I'm going camping. <laughs> you are going camping with my entire family. But, like... I am it's not like, going... <laughs> I'm going camping with, like, 20 people who are all, like, one degree of separation from you. So it's like, it can be a lot to join a big family. And she yeah. finds herself kind of trapped, like... The, the kind of the big one is, like, his sister's like, oh, go to my gynecologist. She's a lot better and closer. Like, that's a bit invasive. <laughs> so she uses this service to try and dump him, and then he keeps going along with it because he's a manipulative dickhead. Yeah. And it kind of results in them breaking up for a little bit, but then they get back together. It is This is a nothing movie. Shazada, like, had some good jokes, and I enjoyed the fight scenes. This... It's kind of manipulative and stupid for no reason. Yeah. Uh, I was very bored the whole time. I kind of liked the music, I guess. Same thing with Shazada. The music and dance sequences were the best parts of the film. But, like, mm -hmm. this really did nothing for me. 
So I've seen more Love Ranjan films than you have. I've seen Piarka Panchnama 2 and Sonu K T2 sweetie this is my first um, love, love ranjai movie and all yeah. i knew about him that was that he was kind of sexist and yeah there's dudes doing rants about the ladies yeah i've also seen de de pierre de which uh he produced and wrote um and is really the only one of his films that i've seen that i can say i like um but he's yeah from what i've seen from his past films he does this kind of like battle of the sexist thing and this very much bro-y, like right? yeah it's very Broy and your bros are more important than the women in your life. Even though um, which is, Rabir Kapoor is not great to his bro. Yeah. The guy gets married and has a kid and he's just like, when are you going to break this thing up? I don't like this girl. Yeah. So this to me had less of the bro aspects of um, the two previous films that he directed, but still that battle of the sexist thing. And I, I see how he is kind of like twisting it around where usually it's like, the man who doesn't want to commit and the woman who's like keen to lock down the man and mm-hmm. more interested in committing. And here they flip it around. You know, she's a career woman who, you know, isn't interested in his family, finds his family suffocating, even though in many ways his family is lovely. And um, the, this is one of those movies where like, if everyone just sat down in a room and talked for five minutes, there wouldn't be a plot. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, and you see that when everyone is rich, <laughs> none of these problems matter, and it kind of just infuriates me because it's like, yeah, they could just, like they say at the end, put an extra wing on the house that they could live in. Yeah, and you can see kind of the 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 mid film twist of her using mm-hmm. uh, his services for breakup coaching, coming from a mile away. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I. it's surprising that he doesn't recognize her voice sooner. He figures it out eventually, and he's he, got a voice changer on his end. He eventually figures it out. Um, yeah, I. it is kind of a, a nothing of a film. I didn't find it as offensive as Love Ranjan's two previous films, but I still, like, ultimately I didn't think it had anything... Um, Really compelling or interesting to say about um, modern romance and kind of learning to integrate your partner or to integrate yourself into your partner's family. Yeah. Uh, and I really, I really hated the ending, which is which is ultimately like, oh no, you're just like going to learn to get along with this family, and you get to still have your career, and it was just like. Because that's where we ultimately ended up, I just kind of felt like, well, what was the this point was of everything leading up to this? I didn't really think, like, Rambir Kapoor and Trata Kapoor fall in love very quickly. I, Immediately upon seeing each other. Yeah, I never really feel like there's a lot of chemistry there. This yeah. is not a mode of Rambir Kapoor's um, performance style that interests no. me much. I prefer... Uh, when he's doing more physical stuff, when he's doing more physical comedy, I think that's where he's best. This is sad um, romantic boy. Yeah, he's not even is... sad boy that much. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm i kind of surprised that I preferred that I preferred Shazada over this. But I don't know, maybe I was coming in with, with Sh- a bias against it. It really didn't work for me. Shazada is also the third movie we watched in a day, so maybe we were just chasing a movie high. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, this movie, um, I knew that they were sexist, but I didn't realize they would be so utterly boring. 
This, again, I didn't think it was as sexist as his two previous films. And like another movie we're going to talk about in a minute, it sets up such a contrived situation that would never happen that, like... You, you can't you can't apply like real world logic to it but at all. But so many movies do that. I know, but this this like breakup service that he provides, obviously getting used on himself, like of course this is what happened because we've the, you've established the rules of this world where this happens, and there's no surprises. It's just mid Shraddha Kapoor, not good at acting, good at dancing though. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Sucked. Okay, uh, next we have Mrs. Chatterjee versus Norway. This oh came out in <laughs> mid-March. It stars Rani Mukherjee. Uh, it's based on a true story uh, that happened uh, about 10 years ago, but the, the woman um, who, that the film is about, um, who this actually happened to her, she published a memoir last year, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the story is about Rani Mukherjee. She is Mrs. A, Chatterjee. Yeah, she is the titular <laughs> Mrs. Chatterjee. She lives in Norway with her husband, played by Anirban Bhattacharya. I believe he's like a pretty big Bengali actor, and this is his Hindi debut? From what I understand, yeah. And I gotta say, not the most amazing movie to start <laughs> your career off with. Yeah, this isn't like, this isn't... This is no... This isn't the best character. Yeah. Uh, so they have two children, uh, a boy who's, I don't know, about three? Three or four, yeah. Three or four. Um, and a baby girl who's a few months Five old. Five months, we hear that Five months old. She's still breastfeeding. Um, as the film opens, uh, essentially Norwegian Child Protective Services come to the Chatterjees and they kidnap the children while the Chatterjees are in the other new like, like horrible um, elves who yes. come and steal the babies. The children are then put in foster care and the film is about Mrs. Chatterjee's like two year struggle to regain custody of her children. Jim Sarb eventually shows up as a Norwegian lawyer uh always happy to see jim sarb uh he gives an excellent performance in the this. jim sarb scenes great <laughs> yeah i just you know i just like looking at jim sarb um so as this is based on the real woman's memoir um it is it's a little biased, biased to her perspective yeah um and so the norwegian government and norwegian child protective services <laughs> come off are shown as being incredibly evil pure evil uh, there's really no nuance in this film they I almost look like the the two women almost look like do you remember that video for soundgarden's black hole sun where everyone's faces are becoming super warped and like smiling yeah. they remind me of that just like uh very scary Nordic women who are <laughs> too perfect and intimidating. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, yeah, and so, like, there's very clearly a bias here. And so, kind of, the way the film presents it is that it just comes down to cultural difference, that the that Norwegian Child Protective Services just don't understand uh, that Indian mothers feed their children with their hands, that they, they sleep together, they sleep together, that they apply coal to ward off the like evil eye. Yeah. Um, it's directed by Ashima Chipper, by the way. I forgot to mention that. Uh, I. <laughs> 
I don't know much about this real life case. Wait, are you I saying you don't know very much about the uh, Norwegian Children's <laughs> Protection Act of whatever no, year? No. I'm surprised. I also <laughs> haven't read this woman's book, but I started to get very frustrated with the film because of how one-sided it is. And also because the entire film, Rani Mukherjee is... Just losing her shit. She's just losing her mind all the time. She's yeah. really martyring herself. She's always crying, always screaming. She's, for lack of a better word, and this is not this is not hysterical. a nice word. She's hysterical. Yeah, yeah. she's Almost hysterical all the, time. The, yeah. the whole time. Uh, I I don't know. And so because of that, I had a really hard time with this film. Yeah. Um, because it just it was very. It was very unbalanced. I did read a couple articles about the differences between the actual case while and, watching the movie and the way the film presents it. Also, like the Norwegian embassy in India has kind of come out and said, you know, like that the that some of the things that the film implies. You're saying like, that the Norwegian embassy is mad that they're child stealers. They're portrayed as, you know, changelings. Well, the film implies that the that Norwegian Child Protective Services want more children in custody because it means more money more money which is like fred which is their child scheme yeah Yeah, it's a pretty inflammatory kind of thing (laughs) definitely to to claim um yeah suck it i I was reading that norway does have very strict child protection laws that doesn't really account for cultural differences and so i'm sure the cultural differences especially because they are very important to the film factored into the real life event. However, um, from what I was reading, the real Mrs. Chatterjee was in an abusive marriage, which it appears also... It comes up a little bit in the movie. It comes up a little bit. Um, Eventually, it becomes a fight with her in-laws. Very clear that this, like, marriage and this relationship is uh, not a healthy one. Yeah. Um, The son is autistic, which, again, does come up and is mentioned, but I think perhaps was a bigger factor in the real-life events. So, I mean... Yeah, I... This was was a slog, to be perfectly honest. I think um, maybe it would play better for someone who's more maternal. Um, maybe it would play better um, in, in, you know, an Indian cultural context, which I don't have. Well, she ends up, like, trying the case against them in India, and it's basically like the yeah. judge is like, ah, yes, Indian mothers are the best mothers in the world. It's okay to be hysterical. You just love your children. Like, it kind of just plays into cultural stereotypes, but in a good way. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, no, this is all perfectly fine. Even though she literally kidnaps her children and tries to take them to Sweden. Yeah. Like, that's, that's pretty messed up. Yeah, I want to be clear. This sounds like a really horrible event that yeah. was full of a lot of potentially misunderstandings, cultural misunderstandings on both sides. Yeah. Um, but the way the film presents it, again, is like, Randy McCurdy. Entirely one sided. Yeah, it's entirely one sided, which, fair enough, it's based on her book. Yeah. Um, but Randy McCurdy is just like screaming and crying the entire time. Um, which is used against her as evidence for being too emotional for, for you know, perfect Norwegian family life. Yeah. Yeah. So ultimately, for me, this was, this was a bit of a slog. 
I don't I don't bring this up often, but at the end of the movie you do see pictures of the original Miss Chatterjee, wasn't her name was Mrs. Chatterjee. Yeah. And she's like twenty. Yeah, she's right? she's quite younger. She looks a lot younger. Rennie Mukherjee's in her mid forties. Yeah. I'm not saying this is a bad thing. I love Rennie Mukherjee, but like seeing someone her age act like this is a little bit incongruous. I could see a twenty year old flipping out like well, this. Well, because she she looks she doesn't look naive. No, she doesn't. You know, like she doesn't have that naivete. Yeah, you you um, think that she would be able to deal with her husband because she's Rennie Mukherjee. We've seen her deal with. You know, horrible men in many films. She's yeah. she seems a lot more capable and powerful uh, just by the way she looks than mm-hmm. a twenty year old girl who's moved to Norway and doesn't know anybody mm-hmm. and doesn't speak the language. Like it would be very isolating and awful. Yeah. I'm sure it was, but like I just honestly didn't buy Rooney Randy Mukherjee as this character. Well, and I like I can see why she chose this project. Like mm-hmm. this this is a story that I think um, a lot like people who are not you and I. <laughs> yes. We are not equipped to really deal um, with this one. You know, exactly. I think this is a story that I think a lot of South Asian parents can really relate to, can really empathize with, you know. Not Norwegians, like, especially, though. Especially. <laughs> no Norwegians will relate to this Especially um, the diaspora, right? Yes. You find yourself in a different country where your customs aren't understood and aren't recognized. Um, so I just, I mean, ultimately, I think, like, we're not the audience for this film at all. You know, we have little, we have negative interest in being parents. Yes. Um, the podcast and, is our child, and you're listening to it now. And again, we don't have the the, the cultural context. And and I want to, I want to be clear here when I, when I talk about um, this, you know, being unbalanced like i i don't have an opinion on who is right or wrong in this entire situation but it would make but, the movie more interesting if there was more than one angle yeah it would make the movie a bit more interesting if uh it felt like there was a bit more balance and yeah. if if the norwegian government and norwegian child protective services weren't shown as like literal monsters essentially who will come and snatch your children when your back is turned because i just like i have a really hard time believing that that's maybe that's what it felt like to her yeah it could be more of an emotional read on what happened but but i have a really hard time believing that they had not said anything up until that point and just like snuck out the back door with the kids as it's like she's literally gone into the other room to answer a phone call and they just yank the kids yeah yeah it's kind of unbelievable um i mean certainly stranger things have happened in the world but yeah it's and for a film that purports to be about a real life incident it's literally the first thing that happens in the movie too exactly they they flash back to how they got into this situation and then get up to that point again. But that's how the movie starts, which is and certainly it, an interesting way to start the movie, but it feels just like, that doesn't seem like it would happen. And I think at times, like, it comes down a bit on, like, adoption. Because eventually it's... Because, re- yeah, Jim Sarb was Eventually adopted. it's revealed that Jim Sarb was adopted. And, and he's like, a cold Norwegian inside, even though he looks Indian. Yeah, and there's this belief that, like, your biological parents will always love you and provide better care than not true than anyone else not in every case yeah it just i 
And we don't, don't even know. Jim Sharp's parents could have died. We don't even know. We don't know. But it yeah. comes off as just like, yep, he's cold and emotionless because he's a ward of the Norwegian state. And this is how these children should be. It's like, should they? I don't know. Maybe it could work. Yeah, I just, again, ultimately, I, I don't think we are the right audience for this film. Yeah. Okay, what's next? What's next? Oh, bead. Okay. So this is the other one I said kind of had a contrived situation. I like this one better, though. Yeah, this is a lot more interesting. Yeah. So this uh, 2023 bead means crowd. Uh, Annabeth Sinna, who a uh, very political filmmaker, and I think I've mostly liked every one of his movies. I mean, he's become a political filmmaker. Yeah. Do not forget he is the mastermind behind Raw 1. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but like Mulk, Article 15, yeah. Tapod, Anik, which we liked and everyone else yeah. hated. And then B, this one. Yeah. So like, okay, I guess he's transformed from <laughs> uh, making movies about what if video game was real <laughs> into examining various parts of in the, the Indian state. Yeah, I, I really like Anubav Sinha. I think he's a fascinating director. And I really like Raw 1, too. <laughs> yeah. So this one has Rajkumar Rao, uh, Bhumi Pendekar, Ashutosh Rana, Pankaj Kapoor, who every time Pankaj Kapoor shows up, I'm just like, oh, this guy's going to screw everything up. Yeah. And he does. Uh, and this takes place in the very early part of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 2020. And it starts off with kind of a vignette about uh, people going from the cities back to the village and they sleep on train tracks to get run over by a train, which is an interesting way to start off the movie because it doesn't really, it sets up like kind of the difficulty of the time, but I thought that the train was going to come mm-hmm. back at some point. I thought that was going to be poor and I was going to, thought that some of the characters would be some of the ones end up there, but they don't. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's also entirely in black and white. Yeah. I'm trying to think, have we seen any other modern Bollywood films in black and white? That's a great question. You think on that while I describe the plot. Okay. Um, so essentially Rajkumar Rao's character is a lower level uh, cop who was put in charge of a border crossing by a sort of political operative who is the same cast as him. And this becomes very important later on. And what happened at the beginning of the pandemic, um, so, you know, we weren't there. Obviously, we were stuck at home here. So it was a very traumatic time for everybody, but Mm -hmm. especially in India, um, people with uh, sort of service industry jobs found that their work was closed. No one was going to the restaurant or the place that they were a security guard at, and they essentially had to get furloughed or even just lost their jobs. And they wanted to go back to their villages where they grew up and hang out with their family and, you know, have food, honestly. So there were these big migrations across the country, and Rajkumar Rao has the unfortunate uh, luck of being the guy in charge of one of these border crossings on a very contentious day. And Bhumi Pednakar is his girlfriend, potential fiance. She's a doctor and she also kind of gets uh, roped into working at this border crossing. They're setting up like a COVID unit there and all of these essentially virus refugees start popping up and someone's got to do something. So the why I thought this was kind of contrived is that there is a very um, a brand new mall that's been built Mm-hmm. full of stores and full of food and full of items and you just see it in the background there and it's like Chekhov's mall like I know that this is gonna come up at some point and Pankaj Kapoor is playing a 
um, a higher caste guy who's got a big family and a bus, and the the children are really hungry. There's some Muslims there giving out food, but they're like, no, we're not taking that Muslim food. So like, there's a lot of bigotry at play and casteism and religion. Mm-hmm. It just kind of turns into a pressure cooker. There's news there, watching, and it kind of culminates in like, uh, like Rajkumar Rao's boss says that. You know, the workers are allowed into the mall when they're building it, but after that, they're never in there again. And he's kind of got to make a decision, like, well, what am I supposed to do with all these people? I have no options. And they're starving, and there's food in this. They're starving, and there's food right there. Yeah. And, like, I'm sure it's something that happened, probably. Maybe not this entire situation, but there was probably cops faced with this kind of no-win situation, a real Kobayashi Maru. But I just found that the way it was set up is just, like very on the nose and you know exactly what's going to happen yeah i didn't have i didn't have that issue with this film i mean it's 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 a film it's a story it's you know it's it's a narrative and um and i think you accept a certain a certain amount of contrivance when you sit down to watch a movie but it also Um, purports to be like here's what happened during this really traumatic time Right at the beginning of the pandemic, but also here's a perfect pressure cooker situation. Yeah, again, I I, I don't have an issue with that. Like, I, I do think the film approaches um, the subject matter with, you know, a strong sense of realism, which maybe that's why the contrivance yeah, thro- that's why throws it you me. off. Because, like, it, do- it does kind of set itself up, um, you know, to, to be realistic. Um, but I think ultimately what this film has to say about class yeah, um, and, and, and about how class is maintained even in a time of crisis in this way. Through violence. Um, I thought State-sponsored violence. Yeah, I thought it was a really powerful statement and, and kind of, and, and Raj Kumar Rao at the center of of all of this kind of trying to appease both his own conscience and morality, but also his masters, um, you know, like his employers. Uh, I I think that is a very um, realistic and relatable situation. I think this is kind of one of the more interesting pieces of like pandemic art I've seen um, because I think it uses the pandemic as a setting and a very real thing that happened. It might have been um, better as a play is what I'm saying. Maybe, but to explore um, these ideas. uh, Yeah, ultimately I found this was really compelling. I really like how much Booby Pendekar needs to tell people to put on their mask. And this would have been in the early days of like masking. Yeah, this is right Um, at the beginning. Yeah, and we were I, all doing that. Like it, yeah. it is relatable in that sense. And I really liked how you know because it's set in in the really early days of the pandemic, the way it's confronting this um, uncertainty and disbelief. Well, about, there's like WhatsApp groups saying like, "Oh, it's Muslims that are yeah. spreading this," and it's completely yeah. You know, so the way it confronts bullshit, like, but everyone, no one knew. We the way, we had no well, idea exactly, and no one knew how long it would go on, and just kind of all yeah. of this. Stuff and so I mean I di- I didn't think the film was completely successful, 
But I do think it's certainly one of the better films of the year. It oh, certainly yeah. gave me by default um, yes. more to think about than a lot of the other movies this year. I, I appreciate, um, I continue to appreciate Annabelle Cinema. I wonder if I should go back and rewatch Mulk because I don't remember um, enjoying it that much. And I wonder if I, if I saw it again with fresh eyes, I might come away with a different perspective. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, and, and these are, these are very strong performances. Yeah. Rajkumar Rao is great. Rajkumar Rao is uh, one of cinema's best stressors. Yeah. Pankaj Kapoor. Think about it. Think great. about it. Like this one, terrible situation. Trapped, stuck in an apartment building, <laughs> no food. Awful. Yeah. Newton trying to run an election in what? Naxal country and not getting any, just the army is yeah. there too. Like he's really good at being stuck in situations where there really isn't like the right thing to do. Yeah. What, what do you think about the choice to, to film this in black and white? By the way, I can't really think of any other modern Bollywood film we've seen. With Bollywood. Whole, you occasionally get like a flashback or something. Yeah. I like, can't think of I think one. No Smoking has like some black and white sessions, yeah. but yeah. I'm sure Johnny Gadar probably did. Yeah. Uh, I think Gondu, the Q film is in black and white, but that's like not a mainstream Bollywood yeah. film. I think Bengali. it's probably like, oh, you think that this is a black and white issue, but it's not. And trying to be stark and sort of like, I think it's like deliberately trying to be very artsy, but also provocative in that sense. Yeah. I don't know if it really brought anything. It looked good though. Like the photography was great. Yeah, I I feel like it gives it a bit more dimension because when I imagine this in color, it's beige. Yeah, because they're <laughs> it's just the in the beigeest movie ever. They're just in a desert. They're I mean, in a desert, and the the like police uniforms yeah. would be beige. And so I actually I the, like the the sky would be blue, so yeah. it'd just be like beige and blue. But I like this choice because I think it adds more dimension than what I imagine the actual colors would be. Yeah, I wonder if they watched it and thought like. Uh, <laughs> we might need to mix this up a little bit. But I think you're right in that, like, thematically, it also ties into to stuff in the film. Yeah. I, I, really... I have a feeling, I, I just think, I thought this at work a lot of times, no one's going to be interested in, like, realistic depictions of the pandemic. Yeah. Especially so close, maybe in, like, 10 years, but no one's going to want to think about this ever again. We're just going to try and sweep it under the rug. Yeah. Governments are definitely working on that right now. But, like, by it having happened... To everyone on the planet, it is not interesting, mm -hmm. right? Like, no one wants to relive this because, for the most part, you were either bored or terrified. Well, yeah, and so, like, I mean, my takeaway, like, my takeaway from from this film is less about the pandemic, um, even though I do like the way it handles the pandemic, but more about um, more about kind of the the pressure cooker situations and the yeah. issues and honestly i think my my favorite kind of subplot of the film involves this kind of wealthy woman and her driver yeah and she's trying to get across state borders because her daughter's at a private school and so yeah. let's go pick her up she's getting divorced can't let the dad get there first and she's getting extra stress and she's so absorbed in her own problems and her own privilege yeah. um, that she doesn't see the importance of like the human life of the people around her or even her driver who is in the car with her hearing her say all this stuff on the phone. And Why it's almost a metaphor for what happened in the whole pandemic. Yes, yes it is. Um, I like, I mean that itself could be a very compelling short film.
Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I do like this film. I, I don't think it's a complete home run, um, but ultimately I appreciate what it has to... Well, I appreciate what it's doing. I appreciate what it has to say. Um, and it's some of the best filmmaking and acting that we've seen in Bollywood all year. Outside, I know, outside of TV shows. I, yes. I know you say by default, mm-hmm. but like this feels like a real movie. It would have been like pretty good <laughs> in any other year. Like I'm not saying yeah. this is a bad movie. I'm just saying it's a little on the nose, but uh, you know, it was an interesting situation. I'll be a little contrived for me, but all the actors were great. Um, I guess the movie reminded me most of is Airlift. Mm. Uh, which you didn't actually watch it. I don't I've seen Airlift. Oh, it was was eerie. I watched it. Yeah. But like people stuck in a horrible situation and trying to get out and uh, kind of tribal, quote unquote, um, sort of developments as people ally with each other, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, like it was fun. It's not my favorite Nine and Five Cinema film by far, but it was no decent. I probably will never watch it again though, because it is very stress-inducing, and also mm-hmm. again, I. I just don't think people are going to be interested in pandemic stuff. I don't think it has as many memorable images as like a neck does or article 15 or it's a pod. Yeah. Yeah. That's the first half done. Yeah. We survived. We survived. Uh, we got a song for you. Uh, this is the title track from Banda, uh, Sirfak Banda Kafi Hai, um, which I think they should do more movies with this guy because he has an amazing theme song. Yeah. So we usually pick like a really good dance number uh, for our interval, especially on these episodes. But I was really taken with this song um, because it's just about how great this lawyer is. He's so good at being a lawyer. He's going to fight for the truth and justice. Just loved this really awesome song about like... How great the lawyer is. You check her out. That was the Banda title track from Sirf Ek Banda Kafi Hey, uh, which we will get to. Uh, but we have some other films to discuss first. We have five more movies. We're doing this entirely sober. Uh, a listener did reach out and said we would need a lot of drinks to get through um, this mid-year review. And I really appreciate that they're looking out for us. Um, we could just drink straight whiskey. We have that. Yeah, but um, we've we've been doing this entirely with water, which is, is rare for us for a mid-year-end review. It's a school night. It is. It's a Monday night. Uh, so it is what it is. Uh, but we're halfway through. We're more than halfway through. We have five more films to discuss. Uh, and our next film is Bola. Matt, would you would you like to set up Bola? Okay. Or is it technically my turn? Who wants to go? Uh, I'll do it. Okay. Uh, okay, so Bola has yelled often throughout the film. Yeah. Uh, came out in... Late March. End of March? Yep. 2023? 
um, and is a remake of the 2019 tunnel film Kitty. Mm-hmm. Kathy. Which I've heard is quite good. My friend yeah. Sunil says it's quite good. We've also heard that the original Shazada is really good too. Mm. But, uh, you know, this might be that problem where, oh no, the Hindi <laughs> remake of the uh, South Asian, uh, South Indian movie, we don't watch it. Like, well, sorry. <laughs> the, I mean, this this show is called Bollywood is for Lovers. Yeah. What can I tell you? Uh Bola's pretty cool, though. I like Bola. <laughs> uh, so it features Ajay Devgan as the titular Bola. Uh, Tabu as a cop. Uh, this is going to be tough to remember everything. Um, Sanjay Mishra's in it. Deepak Dobrial is a... Uh, Sanjay Mishra is like an old cop who comes back to the force for one more night. Yeah. Uh, Deepak Dobrial is like a drug lord. Mm-hmm. So it's basically the John Carpenter... Fantastic John Carpenter movie. Okay, the B- Assault on Precinct 13 meets Mad Max. Okay. Fury no. Road. The B plot is Assault on Precinct 13. Yeah. So everything going on with Sanjay Mishra and Deepak Dobriel, that's Assault on Precinct 13. The A plot, everything involving Ajay Devgan, who, that's by the way, is not just the star of this film. He's the director. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but- I don't believe he's... Oh wait, he did. He did direct a film between this and Chave. I think he did that runway yeah. one that we never ended up seeing, right? Yeah. But right. Uh, um, point is, the last film we saw that uh, that he directed that he directed was Chave, which is a which is a wild, wild movie. That is a Biffle favorite. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Not good, but. Uh, what an adventure. It's a three uh, star and a heart. But like the the car part is kind of Mad Max. It's kind of Mad Max. It's also kind of ambulance. Yes. It <laughs> actually probably more ambulance. Yeah, it's but the it, Michael Bay film ambulance. But it's it's not really post apocalyptic or anything. So essentially <laughs> Bola um man, I gotta remember the plot, but uh, Yeah, so this we saw this in theaters and it was the first film we saw in theaters after we had COVID for the second time. We had yeah. we had COVID in late March and it was really exciting to be able to go out the in the outside. world again after isolating for two weeks. And one of the very first things we did was go to see Bola. So we were like pumped for Bola. We were hyped. <laughs> uh, so, okay, so Ajay Devgan plays a super cool guy who used to be a gangster or something, has superhuman yeah. strength, can defeat anybody, uh, has a... There's a sequel. It, it, it alludes to a sequel that um, I think it's Abhishek Bachchan is a guy with a metal skeleton. Uh, hand. Way to ruin things. But like, if you've seen this movie, you've like, it, you've already made up your mind on this movie. You're probably yeah. not going to go back and watch this one. But he's got a skeleton hand. Well, there, I don't know if that sequel is ever going to happen. But the basic premise is he's been in prison for years. He's never really met his daughter who was in an orphanage. And we do yeah. kind of go to scenes of her in the orphanage because she knows that, like... Her dad's coming. Her dad's coming. Um, he's just getting out of jail, but on the, like... On the day, on the eve of him getting out of jail, there's uh, this big kerfuffle where a group of gangsters poisons a bunch of all cops. All of the cops. All of the cops, except for Tabu. Yeah. And Tabu needs Bola's help to get, like, this big truckload of cops. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> that it, have it's been a drugged. truck of, like, 40 cops. Yeah, truck of cops that have been drugged to the hospital um, before various other gangs in the city can 
attack them uh, because, and all of the gangsters have descended upon uh, this other police precinct where they're trying to get some of the gang out. They're trying and to bust out this guy who yeah. apparently eats cops for breakfast. Yeah, and that's the assault on precinct 13 setup. Uh, Deepak Jobiel is that guy's <laughs> brother. Yeah, I feel like, so, you know, they're driving a truckload of drugged cops trying to keep them all alive, and Bola has to, like, keep gangsters off left and right yeah um it's an incredibly tense film if this sounds i wouldn't say tense but it is fun (laughs) if this sounds complicated and confusing it really isn't the the film and this is to the film's credit it really lays everything out really clearly the reason why you are here is for some ridiculous over-the-top, self-indulgent action on behalf of Ajay Devgan. And let me tell you, this delivers some ridiculous over-the-top, He punches a guy's spine out. Like, in Mortal Kombat, it rules. Yeah, yeah. It's maybe, like, as as I'm sure people can tell from us describing it, not the most memorable (laughs) film. It's definitely I was was trying to remember what was in the truck. Um, I know they had to bring the truck somewhere. (laughs) I forgot it was a bunch of cops. And one of them cops. is dirty too. Yeah, like one he's, of them's dirty. He's he's um, like tipped off the gangsters, and Tabu's the only non-dirty cop on the force. Yeah. It reminds me of the scene in uh, uh, Hobo with a Shotgun where uh, someone says, "Well, at least the Hobo with a Shotgun's only killing dirty cops," and another one's like, "They're all dirty cops." <laughs> no, I mean I think we're really we're only to believe that the one guy is, but you know we're we're going back and forth between kind of these different scenarios. My favorite scene in this entire film is, okay, so uh, Sanjay Mishra ends up kind of being the Some old, college kids only too. guy who can defend this police precinct from all of these gangsters. There's like he's, 400 guys yeah, outside. He's joined by a group of call, like completely ineffective college kids. And at one point, Sanjay Mishra and the college kids has a have a fight with Deepak Dobriel that like where they're where they're using paper. They're literally <laughs> defeating him with stationery. They're throwing paper at him, pens. Oh my god! It's not even uh, like hitting him with a desk drawer or something. It's really like Deepak Dobriel. Yeah, he, he's really giving his all for the worst fight scene I've ever seen in my entire. No, life. I loved this it's, fight scene. It's a fun fight scene, it's but ridiculous. it's 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 like the least like yeah, like if you're rating <laughs> fights on like you know kickboxer or something where in the one set or like Bola has punched a man's spine out by this point in the film and they're just defeating him with like paper clips and tape and big I think fistful some chairs so, as well uh, I, I would have respected it more if they were hitting him with chairs but he's really getting hit with like fistfuls of paper it's it's honestly pathetic he should go down as one of the worst gangsters of all time but deeper is really he is committed he is committed he's giving a performance here he is chewing the scenery he's doing Uh, rails of blow and like (laughs) yeah of all the movies uh that we've watched so far this year i think this is the one this is the most fun this is the most fun and this is the one I would be most willing to right now rewatch, and yeah. I say that with Patan on the table. I would be more willing to just rewatch. Patan was probably more Bola. memorable. <laughs> yeah, Patan is more memorable, but there's something about the ridiculousness of Bola that is just like it's just a wild ride. It's a I, warm hug. I do think that the filmmaking here is very confident. It's yeah. definitely a vanity project, but whatever. Yeah. Um, I have 
haven't seen the original film, but it, this does make me interested in seeing it. Supposedly, it's a lot more serious, but and more badass, which means like, hell yeah, sign yeah, me up. that sounds great. Um, I don't think this movie did very well, but you know, I think I, if, it's a if, shame. If you like silly, over the top action movies, I think there's a lot to enjoy here. Like yeah. again, I am not saying that this is in any way like a revelation of filmmaking or even of action. But if you like but, Scott, do we go with um, our friends who like, you know, kickboxer movies and that sort of thing? Yeah, we went with Rashmeet and Mark. Yeah, like yeah, who we're also going to see Rocky or Rani key from combining yeah. with tomorrow. But like if you if you enjoy like a good straight to video action movie with dudes being badasses and hundreds of gangsters being murdered. Yeah. You'll like this. It's a good time. Yeah, and if you like, you know, like John Carpenter films, like yeah. this is nowhere near as good yeah. as Assault on Precinct 13, but I did like that the B storyline was Assault on Precinct 13. And again, that A storyline... The story trailers was- did not let give that away either. No. It was kind of a surprise. Sanjay Mishra shows up and he's like the only... All the other cops are poisoned because of this yeah. thing. So he's got a... He's got to run the whole police station yeah. by himself. And yeah, the like A storyline is kind of like, yeah, like ambulance meets Mad Max Fury Road, but no like apocalyptic angle. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's nice. Lots of motorbike, so motorbikes, but it's fire. Also, it's got a bit of a sense of like the warriors, right? Because yeah. like they come across like. All these different gangs. They're trying to yeah. get from point A to point B and they come across all of these different gangs and they just yeah. have to fight their way through. And Ajay Devgun... It's a warriors of two people. Yeah. But Ajay Devgun just wants to be reunited with his daughter. Like... Yeah. If you like the I... movie Con Air, <laughs> yeah. this is, that's probably the closest Hollywood equivalent I can think yeah. of. Except I... that is in the air and this is on the ground. So it's like Con Ground. Con Ground. I liked <laughs> this more than uh, Chevet. Uh, Chevet tries to make you buy into the emotional aspect a lot more and has a lot more backstory. Yeah. Uh, this is. I what, remember this this young actress though playing his daughter. I thought she was good. She was good. Yeah, yeah they a do actor, a really yeah. good job with like these scenes, and it's all over the course of like one night. You yeah. know, again, like you complain about bead, which is the course of a day being too contrived. Like this is incredibly contrived, but you don't have to say any issue. Well, okay, I, I expect different things from an Annabeth Cena picture, <laughs> apart from all one, um, versus an Ajay Devkin picture. You know? Yeah, you expect different things from this genre. The guy who made Article 15, I'm just like, okay, this is going to be like a nuanced well, political and, mystery. And again, Bead presents itself being viewer very realistic. Yeah, presents itself with a sense of realism and authenticity. Bullock this does, does not. not. <laughs> this does not. The point of this is not to be realistic. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe we are the only people around praising Bola, but... No, this movie... It was fun! This movie f- Yeah. Uh, next, we have Gaslight. Uh, oh, this, boy. This... Talk about a movie that uh, the title... <laughs> It doesn't even live up to the title. Yeah. So this has nothing to do with the play and subsequent films that the term gaslight comes from. Yeah. Uh, Look it up if you're curious, because that's... We've seen the original... Mm, we've seen... I believe we've seen the Angela Lansbury version. Yeah, I don't think... Because the original was silent, wasn't it? So the original play is from 1938. Oh, so after the... It'll be definitely talkies. Yeah. And then it was adapted in 1940. And then the one we've seen is the 1944 one directed by George Cukor. Yeah. 
Yeah. Good movie. That and the term gaslighting basically like And it's Ingrid Bergman, yeah, and yeah, Angela Lansbury, yeah. yeah. So and like, Joseph Cotton. That's where the term gaslighting comes from, where someone like keeps telling you baldly untrue things until like you start to doubt if they happen to you mm-hmm. or not. Yeah. Uh that doesn't happen in this, really. No. I thought it, it, it kind of alludes to it, but then it goes off into its own kind of crazy path. There are gas lamps, which... <laughs> that, that was that was you, the thing. It's just like, oh, you, shit. Are they actually just having someone hold a gas lantern and call well, it a gas like, lamp? In all fairness, like the original play and, and, again, the subsequent films also use gas lamps. They're set in the 1800s. Victorian England, yeah. yeah. So, you know, uh, I was interested in this because it's directed by Pavan Kerpalani, who directed Phobia and Boot Police. Both of those so, movies, good in their own way. Boot Police, pretty fun and a little yeah. bit spooky. And Phobia, actually quite spooky. And yeah. really, really good um, performance by uh, Radhika Radhika Apte, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I think he has a really good sense of horror filmmaking. I used um, to think that. <laughs> And, you know, again, I, I was interested in what it was going to do with, like, the gaslight concept, uh, which wasn't that, like, the word of the year for 2021 or 2022? Like... It was fairly recently, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it stars Sarah Ali Khan, who I am still rooting for. <laughs> I think I'm becoming less and less in her corner. I think maybe because of how much she reminds me of her mother, Amrita yeah. Singh. Um, like, I really... I've just transferred my love of Amrita Singh to Sarah Ali Khan. Unfortunately, we can't see her actual hit of the year because it's going to Geo Cinema. Um, but I, I don't know. I still think there's something there. Um, and and Vikrant Massey is the other kind of notable cast member. Uh, the basic setup of this is Sarah Ali Khan is in a wheelchair. Uh, there was an accident years earlier and she hasn't been home for a very long time. She returns because her dad calls her back, um, but he is missing, and it starts to become clear to her that her stepmother uh, has probably done something, done away with him. There is... He was kind of a magician, too. Yeah. And they're also very rich, by the way. Like, they live in a... Incredibly rich. Palace, basically, and have lots of servants. Um, There are, like, many twists and reveals from there. I don't want to reveal them all, but what I will say is I found this film incredibly frustrating. Again, it's called Gaslight, and they really... They do a little bit. Like they, they, do. they try, there's some sort of like hints at ghosts. Yeah. And, and I, again, I don't want to reveal all of the twists because I, I, I think this is kind of one of the lesser seen films we're yeah. discussing. Um, but, you know, like there isn't like gaslighting is about like making someone disbelieve things. Well, um, yeah, disbelieve themselves. Disbelieve themselves, yes. Yeah. So what they know to be true, their own experiences. I hate to say it, but the best example I have right now um, for a popular film that deals with gaslighting is The Girl on the Train, um, yeah. both the Hindi one and the Hollywood one. Um, the Capicola but, face herself. Yeah, so 
there are some some twists where like people have been led to believe things that turn out not to be true however i wouldn't call any of them gaslighting no one is led to disbelieve themselves no one is yeah. less led to disbelieve their own experience it's more like and so a spooky situation is set up and then leaves yeah and it's not yeah i guess like she's kind of thinking like did Sarah, i see that yeah but Sarah, it's not so much like her own beliefs are being shaken it's are ghosts real? Yeah, because Sarah Ellie Khan starts to believe that, like, her dad is trying to contact her and tell her something. Yeah. Um, this is quite a violent film. Surprisingly so. And, well, I mean, I don't know. Is it surprising for a horror movie to be violent? I wouldn't say that it's surprising for violence to occur. I would say just, like, the quality of violence. Yeah, I think some of the scenes here um, with, like, murders and things happening are really confidently shot. Like, I really thought cool. this film yeah. had a lot of style. The story just lets it down. It's yes. just it's just kind of a nothing of a story. I think, I don't know, some of the twists are... It's a nothing of a story until it goes into batshit land. Yeah, like, some of the twists are more compelling than others. Some of them are more obvious than others. Maybe it could have been... Well, it should have been given a different name... Um, yes. I think maybe it should like, have been called Spooky Murder Mansion. <laughs> I think like it could have been tightened up. Like I was so frustrated with this film because I think there's actually something here. Vicar Massey's quite good. It has good bones. Um, I'm not. I'm not crazy about Sarah Ali Khan's performance, but I also just think it's because of the character. The character rolls around in her wheelchair and kind of looks incredulously yeah. at things. Yeah. If and you she doesn't see, get like, a lot to do. If you want to see a really good horror movie, like Indian horror movie with a woman in a wheelchair, like watch Game Over. <laughs> like, yes. That's fascinating. And watch Phobia. Phobia was fantastic. Phobia is fantastic. Still love Boot Police. So I just, I don't know. I, I was really disappointed by this film because I just, I felt like there was a lot of potential. Yeah. It's genuinely creepy. It's it has a lot of style to it. Mansion and is cool. And eventually, yeah. when it does start to get going, unfortunately, it's just too late. Yeah, it's like 10 minutes before the end. Yeah, it's just like too late. And so, yeah, I, I was just really frustrated with this because I think there's a better film here. Yeah. Um, it needs a recut and a retitle. Yeah, yeah. And I just, and I mean, probably a rewrite, but there's... There's the workings of something really good here. Like, I, I do still think Kerpalani, um, you know, is kind of becoming an interesting uh, Indian horror or tour. Yeah. Um, I will watch I'm, the next thing he comes up with. Yeah, I'm still really interested in, you know. He did Ragini MMS as well, which we've never seen, but maybe, like, this Hindi That's horror. That's Sunny Leone, too, isn't it? I believe she does the an item one? number in the yeah. second one. Yeah. yeah. Again, we haven't seen them, but maybe this. Hindi Horror Halloween is the time to finally catch up with those. Because <laughs> we're really doing the bottom of the barrel for those. So. Yeah. Well, and we're, we're certainly not going to watch this again. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the next movie was... Oh, and that, that went straight to, to Hotstar. It came out at the end of March. Yeah. Uh, this next movie, I would say, is a pleasant surprise. Mm-mm. Um, mm. Cathal, a jackfruit mystery. Yeah. Which, this... if you translate the word Cathal, means... Jackfruit, a jackfruit mystery. <laughs> this film, uh, it wasn't on our shortlist. I was aware of it, but I hadn't really heard that much about it. And then uh, our listener, Kimberly Tully, who's been listening to us for a really long time, emailed us uh, when we said, you know, that we were working on the mid-year review and wondering what to watch. Yeah. And she recommended it to us. So it, it shot yeah. to 
the top of our list and and i really want to thank her for for sending in that recommendation because yeah we like great cast um well and this this definitely like sticks out among all the kind of drag (laughs) it sticks out like a big ass jackfruit uh so this uh, features sandy malhotra anant josie and uh Vijay Raz kind of is the uh, big character actor in this. And yeah. it starts off as kind of a quirky movie, almost like uh, the director of Finding Fanny, mm-hmm. I would say, kind of in that vein of Call like... Yeah, yeah, kind of a little bit off-center, just uh, cops investigating a weird case, but kind of spirals off into something new. Mm-hmm. So... It's a comedy. Yeah. Sanya Mahotra plays a cop in a small town, and... Uh, at the beginning of the movie, she's kind of been like romancing a Dakowit and is trying to bring him in. And uh, she's kind of got like a, a knack for solving weird cases. And also, the force doesn't really seem to like her. Yeah. So she but she's always get... getting promoted ahead yeah. of her boyfriend, which is very frustrating for their desire to get married. And yeah. if she's like out of his station. <laughs> yeah, every time it's they're 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 kind of far apart that way. Yeah. Uh, and kind of a way to get rid of her and like deal with her because she's kind of I guess making the rest of the cops look bad. <laughs> she gets saddled with this kind of funny mystery. So a local MLA played by VJ Raz has these two jackfruits that he's been growing, and he wants to use them to make pickle yeah. to give to another guy in the party so he can get, like, a cabinet position. Yeah. Because the last time that guy was there, he tried the pickle, and he really liked it. He's bribing him. Yeah, he's with, basically bribing with him with pickle. jackfruit pickle in order to get a better job. Yeah. Um, in the middle of the night, someone steals these two jackfruits, and uh, she's got to figure out who did it. She's investigating, you know, kind of all a bunch of stock sort of characters they would mm-hmm. get in this like well who's the gardener uh what's his situation mm-hmm. who's this son-in-law who's kind of shifty what's up with that guy but meanwhile the gardener's daughter has gone missing yeah and but- it's one of those deals like in uh Dahad, i think yeah where girls are going missing in the uh kind of neighborhood yeah and the cops are too busy and generally just not interested in solving this case yeah again it's like the jackfruit mystery is far more high profile yeah it's but- on tv yeah the- New, there's a, but the um, groundskeeper or the gardener's daughter missing is the actual more like pressing human issue. Yeah. And so she finds a way to link these two up. We're finding the girl will solve the, the jackfruit mystery. Uh, I really liked Rajpal Yadav in this film. We've seen yeah. him in a few things. Uh, he's He's got a very distinctive look. Yeah. And he's like... Kind of like a local citizen journalist who is very interested in the Jackfruit case, but then also gets kind of manipulated into being interested in the missing girl case. Mm-hmm. And he keeps getting arrested, and he's just like, this is the best thing ever because the state has arrested me for doing journalism too good. I'm. This is like the best thing ever for a budding journalist. It's going to be great. So I liked his kind of subplot. Uh, this is a very charming movie. It, it has a bunch of fun character actors. Um, I wouldn't say it's all laughs, like the missing girls part is actually no. sort of really depressing, but also you're Rudy for Sandy Mahotra. I love a movie where kind of a detective is saddled with a bunch of dumb shit that actually turns out to be something real, kind of yeah. like uh, the nice guys, for instance, Yeah, where a case that probably doesn't really matter turns out to be a, the two case. They're linked together. Yeah. Like, um, <laughs> like, um, 
gay gay Perry. No, it wasn't gay Perry, but uh, uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s character in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Right. Like, Your case, my case. They're the same fucking case. Yeah. Same. You know, I I love it when that happens. Um, and yeah, this is a just a super charming movie. Like small town cops antics, uh, jokes. Yeah, it, big it, big personalities. It's a compelling mystery. Uh, the humor is really solid. The the satire is well done. Mm-hmm. Um, and people literally care about two missing fruits more than like yeah tens of missing girls. Yeah, and it's really grounded in this strong performance from Samuel Maholtra. I don't know much about this director, Yasha Radan Mishra. Um, I'm sure I'm not getting that correctly. He doesn't even have uh, a Wikipedia page, so he looks pretty new. Yeah, no, he's directed a, a TV special and a short before this, so this appears to be his his first feature. I'd I watched more from this guy. Yeah, I would I would definitely watch more. Um, this came out in mid May on Netflix, and I think like I don't know, I haven't seen that many people talk about it. I've seen some decent reviews, um, but I think it's kind of flying under the radar, and I think it's one of one of the gems of the year so far. And yeah, thank you so much to Kimberly Tully for. Uh, making sure it got our eyeballs. Also, after pilot season, it's nice to see that a story of, like, missing girls and political intrigue in the country is not a, like, eight-hour TV show, and it's instead condensed into one feature film. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) I like that. I I agree. Um, Because we've seen a lot of that sort of stuff lately, and, you know, a compelling murder mystery movie um, unless the mystery is fantastic, I'm going to prefer watching a movie to a long TV show yeah. about it. Um, now, our next two films deal with some pretty serious subject matter. Um, the, so I, I just kind of want to put a disclaimer in right now. Um, our next film deals with sexual assault, and then the film uh, following that deals, Ooh, deals with, with a lot of stuff. Yes, um, deals with human rights violations that happened um, and atrocities that happened during the Second World War. Um, yeah, so if you, you know don't <laughs> want to listen to either of those things, uh, I totally understand, and this is an opportunity, to, you know, to stop this episode. Yeah, if you're stopping uh, now, Bead's pretty good, Bola's super fun, Cathal pretty good, Yeah, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, I will say that um, one of these films, that the one that we're about to discuss, Sirf Ek Fonda Kaffee Hey, while, again, deals with serious and upsetting subject matter, um, that being sexual assault, I do think it's an excellent film. It's not depicting it in a way that yeah. you could see is exploitative yeah um but you know we we care yeah we care here and you know don't want anyone to be uh surprised it's so. a great movie but uh, yeah it might not be to everyone's taste yeah. so with that out of the way sirf ek Banda kafi hey uh came out in may it's directed by apurv sinna karki uh and it stars manoj bashpayi um it's this is the film that i wanted pink to be Mm-hmm. Manoj Bajpayee plays a lawyer uh, who is a just and honest person. Yeah. And he takes on the case of this teenage girl. For free. For free. He just wants to see her smile. Who has been sexually assaulted by her guru. Yeah. And so the guru is, you know, very powerful 
very popular. He has politicians uh, in his back pocket. He has, you know, many, many followers. An army of lawyers. Yeah. Um, but this teenage girl, you know, has come forward to her parents and come forward to the police. Yeah. And now he is... And the police didn't screw it up, too. Yeah. yeah. And now he is on trial for this sexual assault. And this has put, um, put her life at risk, her family's life at risk, and also Manoj Bajpayee's as the lawyer defending her. Tons of witnesses' <laughs> lives at risk. His life at risk, all the witnesses' life at risk. Yeah. Um, I I think this is a very powerful film. It's a courtroom drama and a very powerful film about um, abuses of power, yes. how those abuses get covered up, yeah. about abuses of power within religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was really impressed with this. And I... The reason why I say this is the film that I want, that I wish Pink could have been, is because I felt like Pink was often tiptoeing around things, and also um, depicted a lot more somehow too, because it yeah. doesn't have like the reenactment at the end through like CCTV, if I remember right. Yeah, it's yeah, a little, it's a little odd that one. Yeah, it it is. Like I just I feel like the, the I remember like aspects of the the. Like the the trial uh, just feels like really far fetched, really dramatized, mm-hmm. and like they really tiptoe around things. They tiptoe around the discussions of sexual assault. I still like Pink. I still think it's an important film, um, but this to me, uh, Banda just cuts straight through it. It's really it's very un- blunt. It's very blunt and it's very unflinching in its discussions of child sexual assault. But it's all discussion. Yeah, but it's all discussion um, and it's incredibly respectful. Yeah. And it's just, it's it's grounded by this performance of Menoj Bajpayee that is... Friend of the show. That is, he's just... Fantastic. He, he's fantastic. I want like a supercut of just his reaction shots through this. Like a big... A big part of this film is just seeing the way that he, you know, they're, they're, they're always trying to get the guru out on bail. And, and, Manu- he, and he knows that this guy is so rich and powerful. If he gets out on bail, he'll be in yeah. America they, or somewhere. They'll never get him back. Yeah, we, we can't let him get out on bail because this is our chance to nail him. Yeah, and if he'll, we don't... He'll figure out some can, way and just... He'll exactly. never come back to India. And He'll so get it away forever. Comes this little game between Manoj Bajpayee and who's ever trying to get the guru. Like six different lawyers. Like, yeah, like all these high power lawyers who promise that they can get him out on bail. And at every turn, Manoj Bajpayee just like finds ways to yeah. uh like he's kind of a little stinker in this he's film. really good at just finding loopholes yeah exactly and i i wish at the beginning it would kind of made it clear that like he's not a well-known lawyer yeah because he's often running into guys like one was an mp or something yeah and it's like he's kind of overawed by these guys yeah and very excited to meet them but then he uses that to be like oh i'm just a simple you know <laughs> city lawyer but, you know, this, this highfalutin guy, he probably would remember this rule, right? Yeah. And he gets them every time. So it's not like this movie isn't without fun at times, despite its serious subject matter. It's always very respectful. I think it's a very powerful film. There are some incredibly emotional scenes, especially yeah. near the end. There's this 
um, great monologue. There's this great monologue. His closing statement, basically. His closing statement, like, my God, um, really, really yeah. bowled me over. Uh, yeah, I just, I, I think this is a really, a really strong film. I really and funny loved too. it. Yeah, like, like, again, more I than said you it's think. not without well, like, humor. Like, for example, there's a bit where the, the Godman's lawyers are trying to pay him off. Mm-hmm. And they say, like, here's 200 million rupees. And he asks his mom, he lives with his mom, and he's like, hey, ma, like, could, how much of this city could we buy with 200 million? She's like, I don't know, half of it? He's like, do you want it? No, I'd have to clean it. <laughs> like, like, you know that he's kind of, he's never going to, he's never going to uh, give into this. He's yeah. just an honorable guy, wants to look out for his kid. That's it. And this is one of the more, like, to me, it felt like one of the more realistic depictions of... Uh, a courtroom drama in Bollywood. <laughs> I the court scenes made sense. Yeah, obviously, I am not an expert on the legal system in India, so I don't know the ways in which uh, things are unrealistic. But compared to other Mrs. Charity versus Norway. Yeah, compared to other court um, court courtroom uh, dramas and films that we've seen, uh, again, like there were no like gotcha moments on the stand or like where people burn. Well, there was one pretty memorable gotcha moment there's one stuff. memorable gotcha moment but it's done within the confines of interrogation it's yeah. not like or there's no, no one pulls like, out a gun or no one is a secret yeah identity. there's no like kind of these intensely dramatic moments that wouldn't be allowed yeah. in in a trial that just kind of break out that like change the course of things like it all feels very like tight yeah um, and and they use the drama that feel, that feels like it makes sense within a trial. Again, my knowledge of how trials work come comes from law. We know that order. there's no we, like, know, we know we know that there's no jury in this case, so it's yeah. basically trying to convince the judge. Yeah, but this just felt I don't know. This felt really strong to me. I I I do really recommend it. Again, I understand yeah. the subject matter is. Um, not the easiest. It's handled respectfully. It's not exploitative. Yeah. And, well... And it's uh, a very rousing film. Yes. I would say it might be useful to know a little bit about some uh, regulations, but, like, it explains it well enough. There's yeah. just a lot of acronyms being thrown around. Yeah. Because um, there's I, a lot about how the laws have changed because of the... Age of consent. And yes. age of adulthood. And, and I, also because of the Delhi um, bus yes, case. Yes. Yeah. Well, like, f- probably a third of the whole movie is the Godman's lawyers trying to un- explain, like, actually, she was 17. 18. 18. <laughs> and, like, she was born in 1994, not 1996. And when you think about it, just like, that's their first line of defense because they're sleazebags. Yeah. And, like, we don't want him to go to jail for child molestation because that's miles worse than just regular molestation. Yeah. And it's just like, holy shit, these guys are monsters because they're spending so much time basically just trying to lie yeah. and falsify evidence and stuff. But you realize, like, they don't actually have a case. They're just trying to get him out on technicality every time. Mm-hmm. And you should become righteously indignant about this because... If that's their actual strategy, you know he's you know he's raw he's he's bad like you know he did it. They just want to get him a lesser charge, mm-hmm. and you, it just makes you so mad. But you're so happy because Manish Bajpayee figures it out every time. Mm-hmm. 
What a yeah. what a picture. Yes. Yeah. Probably the second or third best movie of the year. So good. So far. Yeah. I think yeah. so. All right. Uh, that brings oh, us. Oh, I get to explain this one. To Great. <laughs> our last film. Okay. So this one, we're going to try and be very walking on eggshells, I guess, because this movie deals with some subject matter that arguably the people involved don't understand and probably shouldn't have made a movie about, honestly, because they don't know what they're dealing with, I would say. And, you know, you could uh, you could say that it, this could be a fault of the Indian uh, school system because this uh, material could be handled a lot better. Mm-hmm. And I would say probably this movie doesn't need to happen. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is Bawal. This came out the 21st of July, 2023. Directed by Nitesh Tiwari, which we'll get to. Because he is a director who has made some fantastic pictures in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has uh, Varun Dewan and John V. Kapoor. Uh, so Varun Dewan plays a teacher who is very interested in the way that he is perceived by the community. And he likes to be seen as like a cool guy. The students like him. Everyone has like a story about him. Basically like the coolest guy in school is what he wants to be, even though he's a teacher. And he's not great at teaching, but, like, he's very invested in that. Uh, he gets married to Jean-V. Kapoor, who uh, is way smarter than him. She went to university. Uh, she looks like Jean-V. Kapoor, so that's a plus. Um, and he doesn't understand that uh, what epilepsy is. Mm-hmm. So on the eve of their wedding, she gets has an epileptic seizure, and he absolutely loses his mind. They still get married, but he decides to just keep her at home all the time because he's very worried about being embarrassed by her having a seizure in public. Even though she's taking medication and seems to be able to regulate it, basically. like mm-hmm. He won't you, share a bed with her. Yeah, your wedding day is obviously a very like heightened situation. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot going on. Maybe you, should, you forget to take your meds that day. Or, like, just the emotions overwhelm, you know? Mm-hmm. That's understandable, but he's not a guy who is interested in nuance or really understands things. Mm-hmm. Uh, through a frankly ridiculous series of events after slapping a child he's kind of kicked out of his job and convinces the school and his parents to give him enough money to go to Europe and help basically like vlog his way through European battlefields and other sites of interest from the Second World War, which was the unit he was supposed to be teaching when he got when he lost his job. Yeah, so they go to Paris, the beaches of Normandy, Amsterdam, which is where the Anne Frank house is, Berlin, and then eventually Auschwitz. Yeah. And like from the get go, this premise is dumb. You know, it's kind of a romantic comedy because it's a husband and wife who don't really know anything about each other. I, I don't think it's comedic at all. It's it's, it's a romantic drama. A romantic drama, but there's yeah. parts where they're, like, getting drunk together and having a nice time and stuff. Yeah. But... I guess there is all that stuff with, like, his luggage. He loses his luggage and he has to wear yeah, a okay. Gujarati You're guy's right. clothes. There is some comedy. Yeah, there's comedy with these Gujarati guys. Yeah. Uh, and his, you know... Over-the-top clothing, would, uh, yeah. let's just say. And also kind of culture shock comedy, because John V. Kapoor, a very cultured person, speaks other languages. Mm-hmm. Varun Dewan, very confident, but doesn't know anything about France. France. Yeah. Doesn't know anything about Germany, and definitely doesn't know anything about Poland. Yeah. Um, the, the central 
problem, the issue with this film and the reason why it is causing uh, so much controversy, why many people feel that it is uh, not just tone deaf, but disrespectful, offensive. straight up. Yeah, yeah it's, it's disrespectful, offensive. Why the Israeli consulate in India is saying like, yeah, maybe don't do this. Yeah, yes. Why there are um, a variety of um, Jewish groups around the world asking for it to be taken down, um, taken off of Amazon Prime, is because it uses um, Hitler... A metaphor that no one has ever thought to use because it is not appropriate. It is not, yes. It uses the Second World War and specifically um, Hitler and... The Holocaust as a metaphor for this couple's relationship issues. Yeah. Uh, that's that's hard. Like that's that's a very hard concept. Um, yeah. There's a reason why more movies don't revolve around this. Yes. And I I wanna say, you know, we we are not Indian, as people no. know. Uh, we are also not Jewish. Not Jewish. Um, and this is a very complicated, um, this is, it's, it's complicated and I don't know if we are fully equipped no. to speak to all of the nuances at play here. I would say that uh, the filmmakers were probably not fully equipped to be making a movie about it. Yes. Uh, Kandan has done an episode on Bawal, um, yeah. that, you know, I would encourage people to listen to that, you know discusses a lot of the issues in the film and, and provides a lot of context. What I will say is that I didn't know much about the history of India, the history of partition yeah. or things like Jalanwala Bagh before I started watching Indian films. Yeah. Uh, I, I admit I was ignorant. You know, one of the first movies we discussed on this podcast, because I quite like it, is Gunde, which is a very disrespectful depiction of the independence of Bangladesh um, in 1971. Uh, again, I don't have, I, I didn't have the knowledge or the context to understand that about that film. Yeah. Uh, from what I have read in the past, um, and in kind of also reading a bit about this film, from what I understand, the history of World War II and Hitler's atrocities and, and the Nazis are not that well taught in India. If you got for guys like Varun Dewan doing so, like, yeah, that's why. His character. And He's so, a very blithe person who is not, like... I could see that they did this with good intent. Yes. So I've been aware of films in the past, like Dear Friend Hitler and Hero Hitler in Love, mm -hmm. um, that, you know, are also offensive and maybe misrepresent Hitler. And so this was kind of something I already knew, that there isn't a lot of... There isn't necessarily a, no a lot of knowledge about what the Nazis did. Yeah. In India, and I can't, I can't criticize that because my own education didn't left, talk about India. Didn't, didn't talk about partition, and yeah. so my one of my big takeaways from this film and the controversy surrounding it is that we could all stand to learn more about world history. We could all yeah. stand to learn more about 
things that other countries, other people have gone through. Yeah. Uh, when we were in school, World War II was... was we learned a lot about We World learned a lot yeah. about it. Uh, it was one of the major and things... And World War One, Probably even about, more about World War One. Yeah, we spent a lot of time learning about the French Revolution, both the World Wars, the Cold War, also China and Japan, like not even within the context of World War Two. Yeah. Uh, but we... That's what the curriculum but was. But Gandhi, Gandhi was a footnote, right? Yeah. And it so, would just be like a bunch of countries gained independence after World War II, including India. Yeah. And this guy named Gandhi was in charge. Like, yeah. it was a very sanitized and also um, simplistic view of very challenging yes. events. And yeah. that's what this does, too. Yeah. The movie falls all and over so, itself, honestly, throughout to say, like, Hitler was a horrible guy. What he did was wrong. But... Filmically, I would say that it conflates fairly innocuous problems like, sure, he's a horrible husband. He's mm -hmm. doing, he's a very bad person to his wife. But it also conflates his like lack of, his perceived lack of respect that he might get. Mm -hmm. uh, because in, I guess the problem stemmed from Verandawan imagining at first the way that people in the city will react to him when they find out that he's not cool yeah. in black and white. And it reenacts a scene from earlier where everyone thought he was cool. Mm -hmm. Then he, when he goes to the beaches of Normandy, he realizes the enormity of like, oh, a lot of guys died here. It was a really you know, horrific day. This is also shot in black and white. And he kind of reenacts that. Mm -hmm. Then um, uh, there's a scene after they go to, I think, think it's the Jewish Museum. I have been to the Jewish Museum. I've also been to the Topography of Terror and the Holocaust Museum in Berlin. He's at one of those. I don't remember which one it was, but he imagines the scenario where uh, he's looking at like a suitcase of uh, things hurriedly packed by a Jewish person mm -hmm. because the Nazis are like, you have two hours to go. Yeah. So he imagines, well, what would I do in this situation? And the Nazis are in his house. Mm -hmm. He has to decide what to take. Um, and event eventually, there is one of these fantasy sequences, I guess we'll call them. Yeah. In, in a, a gas, literal gas in chamber. In a gas chamber in Auschwitz. And the framing of uh, a bunch of naked men with their heads shaved, like European men, and then clothe Verunderwan, clothe Jean Vicapur as she is having an epileptic seizure. It is incredibly tone deaf, I would say. And the fact that this is shot in the same style as him feeling slight embarrassment for everyone yeah. in town not thinking he was cool, that's sort of where you see, like, the juxtaposition and them not fully understanding the forces that they're dealing with. Yeah. I do think Natish Tawari, um, I, who is a filmmaker I respect. I really, Dungal's a fantastic movie. Dungal, fantastic. I really like Chalar Party, Putinath. Yeah returns i wasn't crazy about uh chichore uh that one doesn't really work for me but i do i do think he is a filmmaker who is always trying to engage engage the audience and he's make trying to them, engage in empathy yeah he's trying to engage in empathy and he's trying to he's you know a strong um social justice mm -hmm. uh and 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 is bringing social issues to light in a lot of his films and I think 
you know, especially by making the main character a teacher, to me, I do see that there is an element of wanting to educate in this film, to educate about World War II through the lens of this couple. Yeah. I do think ultimately the way it comes across, especially as the film goes on, it it becomes tone deaf and pretty and, blithe about the whole and thing. disrespectful. However, you know, he has made the comment that Western productions have been using Asia in this way for years. And He's I He's not wrong. I can't I can't criticize that criticism of yeah. of Western filmmaking. Verundawan um, is on the circuit talking to people and he specifically pointed out the scene in Oppenheimer where uh, the uh, Bhagavad Gita, now I'm just Death Destroyer of Worlds, yeah. is being held by, spoiler alert for Oppenheimer, I guess, but like naked Florence Pugh. Yeah. And it's like disrespectful to do that. Mid-coitus. Yeah. He's not wrong about this. Yeah. I'd also say that, you know, there are there are Hollywood movies that also kind of romanticize some of these things. You know, I couldn't help but think about like a film like Taika Waititi's Jojo Rabbit, yeah. which has a young boy imagining that Hitler's his best friend. His imaginary friend, um, yeah. Wacky or, Hitler. Or The Fault in Our Stars. I like that book and I like the film, but there's an entire sequence where the young lovers go to the Anne Frank house and they use the metaphor of Anne Frank's short life um, to reflect on their short life as... Um, as, as cancer patients. And when they go there and, in this movie, I think the metaphor is fine. Yeah. Like, because he's, he's kept her locked up at home. It, it like, it's it's not a reach. It's when they go to Berlin and then Auschwitz. Then things get bad. Yes. But, you know, you see, in The Fault in Our Stars, you see the two of them, like, go to the Anne Frank house, kiss in the Anne Frank house, mm -hmm. and then, like, have sex for the first time. Yeah. And the scene, like, it, it's romanticized. And yes. there's a whole scene also uh, when they're in Amsterdam in a restaurant that actually kind of reminds me of this scene here in Bawal. And so what I'm trying to say is, like, there are lines. I do think Bawal crosses the line, but I do think this... It's not unique for doing so. It's not unique for doing so. It really goes for um, it, but, uh, yeah. But I do think... These things are complicated, and I do not have the space um, or the background to really yeah. to, to speak to these things. Um, I think what was missing here ultimately was sensitivity readers, was, yes. was someone to take a look. Um, do you want to explain what a sensitivity reader is? Sure. This is something that is in the publishing industry. A lot of people hate them. Uh, very prevalent in YA, especially. But it's typically hiring an expert to look at a, uh, a work of fiction or, yeah, usually fiction, where the author might be writing about something that they don't have first-hand experience of mm -hmm. or that they only have, like, their own, like, focused experience of and they want more context for or someone to kind of look at it and say, like, yeah, a real basketball player wouldn't, do that with their uniform, that just seems inaccurate. That's just a little kind of... Sensitivity reading is typically not about basketball players, but it, like, it, it's, it's sort of like a reality consultant in a lot of yeah. ways. And also thinking about mitigating harm that this might do to readers. And um, yes, I am 
very confused, actually, about all the European people in this movie who didn't, like, say something. Mm. Especially there's, like, someone we are taken to believe is an Auschwitz survivor talking about his relationship with his wife. And he says, fairly immortal words now, like, that every relationship has its Auschwitz. I don't think they do, actually. Someone should have maybe thought about that one, because... Uh, conflating, like, having marital troubles with the Holocaust is the whole problem behind this movie. Mm-hmm. And I really wonder, what did that actor think he was saying? Because it's mm-hmm. he seems to be, like, a German, maybe Austrian, maybe Polish person. Like, this isn't like you see in a lot of movies where some Norwegian tourist is just kind of brought in to mm-hmm. be a white guy in an Indian film. This is in Europe. Yeah. So it's... I don't know. It 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 kind of baffles me a lot of these decisions that were made, and I don't want to say like someone should learn a lesson, but like I feel like the degree of controversy that this is dredged up has probably um, made people think like hopefully if they want to tackle this sort of subject matter again, they might want to have a reality consultant or think differently about doing so. Um, I mean, this is the pot cow and the cow black. Should uh, people not reference, uh, you know, Sanskrit texts in Western films? You know, there's an argument for that too. Yeah, I th- again, I, I think it's complicated. It's um, extremely complicated. I will say the film is beautifully shot. Um, if it wasn't for the last half an hour, I would say that Anne Frank thing, bit of a stretch, but uh, on the whole. He seems like a bad husband, but the movie looked great, and uh, there was some fun Mm -hmm. stuff with cultural differences, like what food do you eat in France, and Mm -hmm. how do you take the bus? That was interesting. It's beautifully shot, and I do, I think, I just hope that um, this film has brought light to, to its important subject matter, even though it doesn't handle its important subject matter respectfully, Mm-hmm. In my opinion. Yes. Uh, but I do think that if it has, you know, engaged people to to be more aware and to think about these things, that, that is a good thing. Um, kind of in processing this film, uh, you drew to my attention, Matt, that um, the Auschwitz Memorial has an incredible Twitter. Yeah. Um, they're very good with social media. Uh, and I encourage people to follow them if you have Twitter um, because they they do a lot of work with remembering um, victims of the Holocaust. And you'll uh, find this if you go to Germany too. Like there's a sort of like crowdfunded project called Stepping Stones, mm-hmm. which are these gold sort of plates that are in the ground outside of an apartment building. And it'll say like, this person lived here and in such and such state was taken to Therienstadt and murdered. Mm-hmm. I always say murdered. But even in Germany, it took a long time to figure out exactly what they wanted to say. Mm-hmm. And um, as far as I remember from the topolo- topography of terror thing, it was basically like you didn't talk about it till the 70s. Mm-hmm. So it takes a long time for societies to be able to process these sorts of horrific events and even figure out the means by which you should talk about them. Yeah. And you could see in a film like Sardar Dom, for instance, 
that's a very mature depiction of a horrific event. Which I and also... handled with good, uh, like, intentions. Well, but there's also some complexities there in, in yeah. how it's it's portrayed and i know i know that there are inaccuracies that people take issue with with that film and so you know you're never going to please anyone on this but like you could tell with sardar dom they tried to make it as realistic as possible Mm -hmm. and they understood the gravity of the situation and i just find that in this movie they thought they had kind of a cute metaphor and real it doesn't really pan out the way that they thought it was going to work yeah, or at least, I, at least for Western audiences, this is not proven to be a popular film. I, I do think Nitesh Tori had good intentions. I really do believe that based on um, his, his past films and just kind of my own awareness of, of, of kind of how these issues, you know, like, and I'm not going to go down the long list of things I've read over the years about like depictions of like Hitler and textbooks in India. It, well, but, even in the West, like it's it's always a uh, subject of like, should we even depict the Holocaust? But do we need to depict the Holocaust in order to have people not forget? It's yes, but there have been positive portrayals of Hitler in Indian textbooks. There have been, yeah. Yes, but it, it's it's saying. just a it's it's a challenging subject everywhere. Yes, it's incredibly challenging. I I'm finding this conversation challenging. <laughs> well, I apologize. Um, no, it's 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 a. I mean, it's one of the. It comes with reviewing the movie. Yeah, and it's one of the the films that has been the most talked about this year. Um, again, thanks for sticking with this this conversation. I just I think it's complicated. I think there's a lot of nuance. I know how I feel about it, and I I I did find some particular scenes disrespectful and, and yeah. tone deaf. And, it's, um, and I, I do think that's enough for me to say, like, I don't entirely recommend the film, but again, I think it's complicated. And, and I, I would say Varun and Johnny Kapoor are pretty good performances, yeah. too. Uh, everyone else is kind of caricatures, but, like... But also, I want to say, like, I wouldn't fault someone who is moved by this film... Yeah. For enjoying it. Like, it's a, it, it is a well-made film. Yeah. Um, I Which just is maybe hopeful. part of the issue. Yes, but. that that definitely is. Like, yeah. it is a slickly designed Hindi romantic drama with some elements of comedy and a travelogue element. Like, it's put together quite well. Mm-hmm. That is part of the issue. If it was more exploitative, you could just write it off and say, like, this is pure trash they're deliberately trying to provoke. Uh, but since this is made with care in a bunch of aspects, you wonder, well, why isn't this other aspect, which is pretty a pretty big deal, why wasn't that handled with the same amount of care? And I, I know some people have found it quite moving. Yeah. Um, again, for me, it, it felt disrespectful and it felt, it felt tone deaf, but I think it's, I think it's complicated. and I wouldn't recommend it. That's we, all I'm going to say. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it either. Hopefully some good can come from this film and people can uh, learn about uh, important historical events and treat them seriously. And from this conversation, 
Um, not like this conversation nothing between will be, you and nothing me. Nothing will be learned from our but conversation. The, the but the conversation yes. that's happening around this film. Yeah. And on that note, that brings us to the end of this mid-year review. Uh, we've gotten some complaints in the past that these episodes have been too short lately. So hopefully the yeah. length of this one is satisfying. Hopefully it is uh, to your liking. Thank you for hanging in there with us. We will be back in a couple of weeks um, with our review, our Netflix and Dill episode on Sass, Bahu, or Flamingo. In the meantime, Matt, how can people keep up with the show? At Bollywood Pod, at Matt underscore B-O-W-E-S, at Aaron E. Fraser, Facebook.com slash Bollywood for Lovers, Tumblr.com slash Bollywood for Lovers. You can email us at BollywoodIsForLovers at gmail.com. Uh, I, I think we'll get some emails after this one. If you're a fan of the show, uh, please consider leaving a uh, star rating and a review on your podcatcher of choice. Let's us know we're doing a good job. Mm-hmm. While you're there, you can also subscribe to my other show that I do with Paul Matwichuk called Trash Art in the Movies. We've done an episode on Barbenheimer, the most popular thing at the theaters right now. So mm-hmm. check that out. Uh, we want to thank Becca Dolkey for our artwork. And that's it.